This is the My Bloody Hell podcast, the podcast where we tell stories about perimenopause. Hello, Superwoman. Welcome to episode number two of the My Bloody Hell podcast. I'm your host, Lori Tharps. I'm a journalist, an educator, a mother, and a fellow member of Team Paramenopause. Go hot flashes! Yay, estrogen! (laughs) If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, and I really hope you find what you're looking for here. If you're returning after listening to another episode, thank you so much for coming back. On today's episode, I'm very happy to have my friend Karen Campbell as a guest. Karen is a Black woman, a mother of a teen daughter, an educator, and a yoga enthusiast who was abruptly thrust into perimenopause as a result of her treatment plan for cervical cancer. Now, Karen's journey is unique, and yet I'm sure there is somebody listening who will be able to relate to her heartfelt and ultimately inspiring story. Wherever you are in your perimenopause journey, in the middle, towards the end, or maybe you haven't even started perimenopause yet, still, I hope this story resonates. Before we hear Karen's story, though, I do need to take a moment to tell you about our awesome sponsor for the show, Yum Day. So when you have a craving to snack on something and you're like, I know I shouldn't eat that entire bag of pork rinds or that package of cookies, but what else is there? That's when you need to check out Yum Day. Yum Day is a purpose-driven snack box subscription company founded by a woman of color that prioritizes women and BIPOC-led food and beverage brands. So when you get those cravings, rather than going to the store and buying something unhealthy, you could go to Yum Day and order a subscription box and have delicious snacks that are good for you delivered to your door. Yes, healthy snacks delivered to your door. They have snacks for every taste and diet, like vegan snacks, paleo snacks, gluten-free snacks. And every month, if you get the subscription box, you get new snacks to tempt your taste buds. And when I say healthy snacks, I don't mean like baked potato chips. These are carefully curated products from around the world that will have you reconsider what you thought snacking could be. I mean, have you ever tried pink Himalayan salt popped water lily seeds, or zesty Thai mushroom jerky? How about crunchy carrot cake cookies? Oh my God, I'm getting hungry. (laughs) Now, the best part is that many of these snacks are from women-led companies. So your snacking means you're supporting women. We love that here at My Bloody Hell. And I know you'll love Yum Day. So my listeners can get a 15% discount on any order, including subscription boxes. All you have to do is use the code MBHPOD15 at checkout. That's MBH for My Bloody Hell, POD15 at checkout. So when you go shopping at yumday.co, don't forget to use our code for 15% off. Happy snacking! And now for today's perimenopause story. Please meet Karen. My name is Karen Campbell. I am 49 years old and I live in Glenside, Pennsylvania. I am an educator. I'm a yoga instructor and I work in a high school. 
When she's not at work, Karen likes to spend time doing yoga, journaling, and pursuing her newest passion, roller skating. You know, this pandemic has made a lot of things present for us that maybe would not have been so present. And I was really looking for something else that could get me out of my head and get me outside and be free from worrying about distancing from others and so on. So I dug my skates out of my garage and I started skating in the parking lot of my local high school. As with all women who have a perimenopause story to share, there is the before and there is the after. I asked Karen to share what her before body was like as it related to menstruation. I had a very regular cycle. You could probably set a clock to it. There was very little variance in when my period was coming, the duration. For a long time, that's how it was. As a young girl doing sports, there was some variability like in high school, etc., but um, early adult and adulthood, very regular. I had probably what I would consider average amount of bleeding. I did not have a lot of cramping and pain and some of the other things that come along with the menstrual cycle for some women. I had it pretty easy, if I'm being honest. Like I would know it was coming I could feel that difference, but it wasn't something that debilitated me in any way or like made certain days really hard that you hear a lot of women suffering with. For Karen, it wasn't perimenopause that turned her world upside down. It was something far more devastating. So in August of 2019, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Stage 1C, I believe it was. It's important for me to say that leading up to that, I felt that something was different. Thinking back on it now, maybe for that whole year before, so like from August 2018 to August 2019, I noticed some variability that I had never had before. I noticed that my periods would last longer. I was bleeding more. I didn't have continual pain. It's also important for me to say that my routine pap smears were all normal up until that point. So as a yoga practitioner, I would take certain poses and I would notice that it would hurt or I would feel uncomfortable. And I couldn't really pinpoint where the pain was coming from or what always did it. But I just knew something didn't feel right. I had that feeling for a long time. That summer, earlier in the summer, I traveled and I remember thinking I had a lot of pain and discomfort and I was, you know, when you travel, you try not to hydrate too much because you don't want to go to the public bathroom too much. I did that. And um, even despite that, I had to go to the bathroom really frequently. And that was not like me. And when I landed, I traveled from Philadelphia to California when nonstop. So when we landed, I thought, I must have like a UTI. I'm just going to go to CVS or one of the local pharmacies, grab something to help me with that, and maybe some cranberry juice, and I'll probably be fine. That was my thought. I did those things, spent a week in California, 
And I didn't really feel a whole lot of relief. So I remember thinking to myself and even saying to my husband, when we get home, I'm going to push my annual visit up to my gynecologist. Something just doesn't feel right to me. And I'd been saying that for a while, but the trip to California really solidified it in my mind. So I went to the gynecologist and she's a fabulous woman. She felt that I was different before even doing a biopsy or sending anything away. She just said, you feel different. And nobody wants to hear that, especially in the vulnerable position with your feet up in the air at a doctor's office for someone to say, "Mm, something feels different, was not comforting. (laughs) She did take a biopsy that day and... I was headed to the beach. I remember this so vividly. I was headed to the beach with my daughter and one of her friends. And she said, oh, just go. When you come back, we'll talk about it then. And I said, absolutely not. When you get these results, you need to call me. That was like a Friday or a Thursday that the biopsy was done. And she called me on a Tuesday to tell me I had cancer. I was not a candidate for surgery So like a hysterectomy or anything like that wasn't going to be something that would solve the problem for me because my tumor was in the vaginal wall. So doing anything inside wasn't going to affect that, which meant I had to go through a battery of internal and external radiation and chemotherapy for about two months. I was told pretty early on that I would probably stop having a period. When you radiate that area, the ovaries and all of the surrounding area, they're pretty delicate. So radiation kills it off pretty quickly. I barely got a period in September. I remember that because I wasn't certain if I would. They said, well, you might, but you definitely won't have one in October. And that was definitely the case for me. What is also the case that you don't know when you radiate that area and when you get chemotherapy is that it can accelerate menopause. So it throws you right into it. And unlike a more natural way of going into menopause or perimenopause where it's gradual, this is immediate. So you literally wake up and it's almost like you've been invaded by another body. (laughs) So I had the distinct pleasure of waking up one day and all of a sudden getting hot flashes and having even more brain fog than usual, being anxious. I mean, it's hard to break apart how much of that was the cancer and how much of that was menopause, but that is a symptom, can be a symptom of menopause for some people. So all of a sudden I had a lot of nervous energy, not just about what was happening for the treatment, but just period. I had definitely some depression. I used to be really happy about like how great and supple and clear my skin was. That was not the case. I was starting to have like these light patches, dry patches, but again, it all like happened all at once. For Karen, a cancer diagnosis and her treatment were frightening enough. But once treatment was over, she still had to deal with the onslaught of symptoms of perimenopause. 
Karen says her doctors told her to talk to her mother to find out what kind of perimenopause experience she had had to help Karen anticipate what was to come and possibly get some advice from her mother on how to alleviate some of her symptoms. But unfortunately, Karen's mother wasn't able to help her daughter in this respect. I think it'd be important to say, too, that we grew up in a time where people didn't really talk about all these things. And also at a time where if a woman had any kind of issues in the reproductive area, if you were past baby making time, they just took everything out. That was like common for women to have complete hysterectomies. So my mother had one because she had fibroids. And I bring that up to say she has no idea when she would have naturally gone through menopause because of having a hysterectomy, which completely alters your hormonal balance. And her mother, my grandmother, gosh, we would have never talked about that sort of thing. So Karen found herself dealing with perimenopause without any guidance or knowledge of what to expect or what was even normal for the women in her family. While many women can probably relate to that feeling, for Karen, the experience was worsened because all of her symptoms came on all at once. I think what compounds things for me is just how quickly it happened. Not necessarily the intensity of some things, but sometimes I think it's hard for us to quantify that because women, we are so tough, (laughs) We deal with so many things. Like if you ask one to 10 about pain or discomfort, we routinely downplay the level of intensity, not to make other people feel bad or whatever. We just are so used to trudging through. So my five, for example, and there's always jokes about this, but it's true. My five would be like my husband's nine. The thing is, Karen says the physical pain and discomfort that has come as a result of her perimenopause symptoms aren't as bad as the emotional ones. For Karen, the ever-present anxiety is the worst perimenopausal symptom that she continues to deal with. And she says as a Black woman, the perimenopausal anxiety is compounded by the base level of anxiety most Black people deal with on a daily basis living in the United States. Karen readily admits that anxiety has always been there in her life, but now it's significantly worse. So that, looking back on it, I think that was always present, but it was like a steady low hum in the background of my life, whereas now... It is front and center. It's strange. As somebody who works in the wellness field and in education, there's a lot I know intellectually about it, but that does not mean anything when you talk about the practical experience of it. That's kind of how we associate malfeelings. We associate it with events generalized anxiety, which is something that happens in the menopausal period, is not really related to a specific event. It's just there. And that is really odd because you constantly are like, what am I so worried about? What am I so nervous about? And it's very difficult to unpack because we are also in the stage of life. We're in the sandwich generation where we might be raising our children, but also caring for parents. 
maybe dealing with children who might be in a transitional phase in their own lives, going off to college, going to high school, you know, first fill in the blank, whatever. So we got good reason to be anxious, but generalized anxiety isn't directly related to any one of those things. It's just there. And I think the biggest thing that I had to and still have to, quite frankly, deal with is the fact that it's just there and it's not necessarily in response to something. And it's a very strange feeling to have it because it's not a low hum anymore. It's just very odd. Like hot flashes, yeah, those are horrible. They suck. But I can wear less to bed or I can keep the fan on all the time, which drives my husband crazy. Or I can keep the air on even when, you know, it's it's like pregnancy all over again. He's like always cold and I'm always hot. It sucks, but there are external things that you can do. With the anxiety, it's trickier. It's harder to figure out like, okay, so what? What do I do for this? Obviously, Karen hasn't succumbed to the perimenopausal anxiety that has been plaguing her for the last couple of years. She continues to do things like yoga and meditation to help her relax. And she says that roller skating is also part of her wellness plan because it helps her get out of her head. She also takes a variety of supplements like fish oil and vitamin D. At one point, she even tried an estrogen patch, but wasn't comfortable with any type of hormone therapy. Eventually, through a lot of trial and error, Karen did find something that significantly helped her manage her anxiety levels and other perimenopausal-related symptoms. And the other thing that has been most instrumental and most controversial but successful is cannabis. So I became a card-carrying cannabis user during cancer treatment because it reduced the amount of nervousness, nausea, pain, that I was experiencing from treatment. And I was taking all these other prescriptive drugs that really I was not comfortable with. And I asked if I could pursue that form of care. And thankfully, because it's legal in this state and I had an oncology team that was open and willing to pursue that with me, I was able to do that. And I went from taking, I don't know how many different medications during treatment to none. And I kept taking and continue to take cannabis. So I take it at night. I take a tincture that I can place under the tongue. I do sometimes just good old fashioned smoke, but I only do that at home and I do it to help me go to sleep because I have real trouble with comfort. I have a lot of pain. And also it's really hard for me to calm my nerves down and my head down to actually fall asleep and stay asleep and deal with the hot flashes. So it's really worked for me. And I know people have very strong feelings one way or the other about it. I can only say that it has been a godsend for me. Karen's perimenopause journey has really only just begun even though she hasn't had a period since she began her cancer treatments in 2019. So her story isn't over, but there is a happy ending. Yeah, so I am cancer-free. I was declared cancer-free right before the pandemic. (laughs) I finished treatment. I got like a good three months out, and then we went into lockdown. 
But, you know, everything works out the way they need to work out. I was fortunate in that I was able to have people come with me when I had treatment. Those are things that people during COVID weren't able to have. So I feel extremely blessed for a lot of reasons, but I am cancer free. I think I'm probably, as far as the menopause piece, I think I'm in the thick of it. Karen is going to turn 50 next year, and she says she's excited about what's next in her life. She's optimistic about the future, and she's planning new adventures for herself professionally and personally. So I asked Karen how she feels about her body today after everything she's been through and continues to experience as a woman who was thrown into the deep end of perimenopause without a paddle or a boat. I felt very betrayed by my body. I felt very angry and confused and frustrated. Like, how could I not know, right, that, and how could cancer be happening? And I I bring up how I used to feel because I think it had to be an evolution. I think I am just getting to know this new body. And I think that I had to accept and understand that this is new. I have back issues. I have pelvic and hip issues. I have a lot of pain in my hips and in my back as a daily thing. But I also have GI issues because of the radiation to that area. I have all the menopausal stuff that we just talked about. And I just feel like I'm just getting to know her. And I'm trying to trying to look at it from that perspective. You know, as a yoga instructor, and I used to run races and do all these other things. I don't know that that will be my postmenopausal body. And I finally released the used to, shoulda, coulda, all of that as it relates to what I was able to do physically before all of this. I'm thinking more about, well, what does she do now? What does she like to do now? She likes to roller skate. She likes yoga still. And she needs yoga to be able to, like, I'm like the tin man in the morning. It's very hard moving around. So I'm getting to know her and love her and respect her. But I think the biggest thing is I'm giving her a lot more grace than I've ever given myself. I love that response from Karen. And I think it's a perspective we should all use with our own changing bodies. Let's give them grace. I also took this opportunity to ask Karen what she would say if she could send a letter to her younger pre-perimenopausal self. What would be her advice? (laughs) Hold on, girl. (laughs) I think that would be the first thing I would say. Hold on. I think I would say you're just going to have to buckle up and take the ride. Because if you feel like you're going to be driving, you're going to be disappointed really quickly because you're not in control. But it doesn't have to mean that it's all going to be horrible. It just means that you have to release, release your preconceived notions, release all the planning to a certain degree, and just buckle up and take the ride. But know that it's not all bad. I think that would be even through the cancer journey, I would still say just know that it's not all bad. As we came to the end of our time together, I asked Karen what she would title the story of her journey through cancer and perimenopause, all of it. Her answer was perfect. High times. (laughs) 
because I've never, I would never in a million years think that this would be my daily life <laughs> with cannabis being a part of my life. It's so not like I was not that kid in high school. I was not really that person in college until like much later. I just would have never expected that this is my life. But I would think that about a lot of things. But that was the first thing that came to mind. Before we said goodbye, Karen wanted to share a message to anyone listening who might be going through a similar struggle as she did, cancer and perimenopause at the same time. Never doubt how much strength you have. And your mindset has a much bigger role than you could ever imagine in how you handle your circumstance. I would also say, because it would be remiss of me not to say this, as it relates to women of color, cervical cancer in particular is much more prevalent and it's also found much later. So in relation to people who are listening, don't ever delay your pap smears. Don't ever delay your routine doctor exams. Very specifically, make sure that your daughters get the HPV vaccine. And you can too, by the way, even as an adult. In my case, I did not have HPV, but it is a very strong um, indicator of cervical cancer. And because this is all related, I think it goes without saying, like, pay attention to how you feel and your sexual and your reproductive activity and health and then name when it doesn't feel right and go seek the help. Do not wait. Thank you so much, Karen, for your wise words and for sharing your story. If anyone wants to keep up with Karen on social media, feel free to follow her on Instagram at Karen with a K, K K-A-R-E-N 0418, where she says she mostly posts information about yoga, dogs, and roller skating. I really appreciated Karen's vulnerability and honesty and transparency about her experiences going through cancer and perimenopause at the same time. Here are the lessons that I learned from her story. One, listen to your body. If something feels wrong, don't ignore it. See your doctor and get it checked out. Two, when looking for solutions for your perimenopause symptoms, remember two things. One, what works for one person might not work for you. And two, you have to really try different things to find out what is ultimately going to work for you. Trial and error is the name of the game. And number three, instead of lamenting about all of the things that your body can no longer do, Try to think of your perimenopausal or postmenopausal body as a new body that you just have to get to know. She might surprise you with what she's capable of. What did you learn from Karen's story? What would be your takeaways? Could you relate to any of her experiences? Have you found cannabis to be a useful treatment for any of your perimenopausal symptoms? Feel free to share your thoughts about this episode on the My Bloody Health Facebook page or on our Instagram page. On Instagram, we're at my underscore bloody hell. The links for both places will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the My Bloody Hell podcast. 
I'm really excited to be bringing you these stories as part of my mission to ensure that my generation will be the last that suffers through perimenopause and silence. Let's keep sharing our stories and supporting one another through this crazy making time in our lives. I'll be here next week with another new episode doing my part to keep the conversation going. And I hope you'll be here too. And if you feel so inclined, please tell somebody about the show who you think might need to hear these stories too. Also consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or share a link to the show on your social media accounts. I appreciate all the support you can provide. In the meantime, take a walk, take good care of yourselves, and maybe order some healthy snacks from Yum Day. Until next week, Superwomen, I'm out. The My Bloody Hell podcast is produced by me, Lori Tharps. Our editor and technical director is Brad Linder. Our theme music was composed by Good B Music. And hey, one last thing. In case it wasn't obvious, I am not a doctor or any type of medical professional. Therefore, do not use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for verifiable medical advice and information. Always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have any medical questions or concerns regarding menopause or any other health-related issue. Thank you.